who are you? What makes you, you? Who are you? How will you find that out? At what point do you think you'll actually just know who you are? Most of you are under the age of 23, most of you, I think. Um, somewhere between 17 and 23, I would guess most people are in this room. I'm 35, I got a few years on you. Uh, do, do you think that I know who I am? Do you think I know who I am? Should I? I'm 35, I'm a few years short of what most guys uh, go through in their midlife crisis, okay? I don't know if in the next five years I'm gonna wanna buy a motorcycle and get another tattoo or something to affirm my identity. I, I don't really know, I hope not, that sounds weird. Um, but, but when I think about dudes going through midlife crises, uh, to, to me th th that crisis is really a crisis of identity. It's a crisis of who, are, who they are and, and what this means for their life and what are the things that they've never done that they need to do because of who they are and this sort of stuff. And, and I haven't even hit that yet. I don't think I'm gonna go through a life crisis. I don't know if many guys think they are going to, um, but I'm a few years away from it. I don't know what kind of timeline you're on if you think you need to figure yourself out in the next two years. I'm 35. Do you think it's possible that I could know who I am right now? Is it possible that I could know who I am fully? How much do you think I'll change? Assuming I live to 75, 80 years old, I've got about 45 years left, maybe. How I eat, probably 35 years left. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll see what my regiment starts looking like in my 40s. Maybe I'll add a few years, I don't know. But, but, but I've got a, quite a bit of time left. Will I change? And will that kind of change how I understand who I am? Who are you? And how are you gonna figure it out? And when are you gonna know it fully? I wanna show you some pictures of me growing up. And I want, I want you to ask, some of these are remarkably embarrassing. Uh, I, I wanna want ask this question kind of as I'm looking at these pictures with you. At what point is it obvious who Jason is? By, by the way, my name is Jason, I work here. Uh, but at what point, what point is it obvious that uh, who am I? At what point would my parents have said, now we know who Jason is, this is who he is. At what point is it done? Will you, will you throw up uh, <clears throat> that first picture for me? So this is my favorite picture of me. Super sport, uh, still how I identify. It's like a hashtag, you can find me everywhere. Uh, super sport. Um, I don't actually know what would happen if you typed in the hashtag, but, um, but this is like my favorite picture of me ever, okay? I was about 18 months old, uh, beaming. That, that's my most extroverted self ever. Uh, and uh, at this point, 18 years old, smiling, happy baby. I'm sure my mom, wait, did I say 18 years? Uh, I matured a lot in college. Uh, <laughs> 18 months old. Uh, my mom, I'm sure, had opinions about who I was. I'm sure she told people about what kind of baby I was, right? But did, did she know at this, from this point right here, did she know I'd be a college pastor one day? Did she know that I would primarily identify as an introvert? Did she know that I would love to read? Did she know that the color red would move me? Did she, did she know those things? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, we go to the next picture, maybe a little bit older. This is when uh, I figured out my selfie pose. Uh, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, 
Oh, that's amazing. Oh, gosh. Let's just go to the next one. Uh, this next one, you know, really, let's go to the next one. So uh, this, is, this is, it should become super obvious that at this age, I was already a budding Seahawks fan. Uh, and maybe you could have guessed that. Go Hawks. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are super cool. Um, but I was already a Seahawks fan at this point. But I was about two and a half, three years old here, maybe two and a half it looks like. Um, uh, do, do you think that even though at this point I was probably showing a lot more personality, talking a lot, um, asking for things that I wanted. My, my dad remembers this age. He remembers, uh, this is one of these stories he likes to tell from this age that was pretty awesome. Uh, he, he said, I would get up out of my bed all the time at night. I mean, some scary stuff happens. He remembers one morning I came into, the, into his bedroom with my hand bleeding and he couldn't figure out why. It was like seven o'clock in the morning and he followed a trail of blood all the way to the kitchen and I had taken a butcher knife and I was peeling an orange bit by bit he said there was a pile of little tiny pieces that apparently I'd cut off you know and he was so scared that after that morning that he put one of those like um you know wooden fences that you kind of snap into the wall and they've got like the rubber little mesh between it he said he, he put that up and the next morning when he got up he found me in the hallway with my arms between the thing just cashed out in the fence you know uh so I don't know how much he could have known about me at two and a half but but did he fully know who I was would I at that age have known who I was? Would you go to the next one? At some point, I got to skip pretty far ahead. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is a, uh, yep. Um, rather than defend this picture, um, my favorite comment about this picture ever is a friend of mine that said, with these swords, I will defend my virginity. <laughs> oh man, that's good, that's good. Great A humor right there. Uh, so this, is my, this was my freshman year of high school. I was a LARPer, I guess. Uh, we didn't even have that phrase then. I thought of myself as a Knight Templar, I think, or something. Uh, everything there was homemade, everything, uh, including the haircut. So, um, but, but I'm, I'm really glad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tip my hand a little bit. I'm really glad that I didn't know myself fully yet. Okay, um, but, but just pay attention to the next couple shots, right? As, as how much things shift and change. Well, you go to the next picture. There's me, mm-hmm, uh, junior year. to junior ROTC program, stone cold silent. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I thought it was funny, but I, apparently it's not. I think it is. I'm sort of more embarrassed that you don't think it's funny. Um, but there's, a, there's maybe a big jump between those two, maybe not. But my junior year of high school or my sophomore year, I think my junior year, uh, I was involved in this program and it was a lot of time in my life. I was going to the Air Force Academy. I had already basically gotten in uh, to the Air Force Academy. Uh, I, I, much of my life was lived through this ROTC program before I walked into a recruiting office and, uh, and the, the Marine Corps officer told me um, that if I confessed that I had used an inhaler because of my asthma anytime since the age of 12, that I wouldn't be able to go to the Air Force Academy. And it crushed me. I thought I knew a lot about who I was at this point in my life. This is great. But I decided obviously not to go to the Air Force Academy, mostly because it's not just that I didn't want to lie. Um, I also didn't want to find myself in a place where somebody died because I lied. So I had to sort of go through some self-discovery stuff. Do you think I knew who I was fully by this point? We go to the next one. It's me in college with some roommates. Um, you don't, what you don't see 
uh-huh, straight out of, uh-huh. I've actually got some really great stories about Straight Outta Compton and the history of that. Like, I remember a lot of stuff there. If you ever want to hear some stories from that, I'd love to tell you. But, but this picture, what you can't see very clearly here is, like, my shirt's unbuttoned, and I've got a gold necklace on. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was really cool. It was really cool. Um, so this is me, probably my, that must have been my sophomore year of college. Um, do, do you think, I, I, this guy behind me totally knew who he was, um, but I... <laughs> Do you think I knew who I was fully yet? And it's, it's, it's a year ahead of some of y'all. Some of you. For me, this is a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, anyway, go to the next one for me. Do you think... Mm-hmm, I know. <laughs> She's awesome. She's incredible. Her name's Anna. Um, and I, and there's so many options. Like, do you think when I met her, I knew who I was? What about when I married her? Do you think my wedding day... When a, when a girl actually said to me, I want to be with you forever. And I said that to her. Do you think that on that day with, every, with all our friends and family as witnesses and, 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 my, and my, my understanding that God himself was ordaining and protecting this thing. Do you think on that day I went, yep, now I know who I am. Done, fully, know who I am. All the questions about who am I totally got addressed on my wedding day. Do you think I was done? I wasn't done. Go to the next one for me. So these are my kids, and they're fantastic. This is about a year ago, I guess. I don't know, something like that. Uh, and and one, one of these doesn't belong. It's that big goober in the red coat. Uh, it, but, but like when, when my kids were born, each one of them, do you think at any point during that process that I was done asking the question, who am I? Do you all think that my life might have changed a little bit when a human being moves into my house? That's depending upon me to take care of them. I'm discovering these people. Who, who am I, God? I still look in the mirror a lot of mornings and think, golly, I'm 35 and I have kids and there's a girl living with me. That's so weird. You know, like it just doesn't make any sense. Like I, I, don't, I don't understand this stuff. I still ha have this conflict almost of identity. I don't know when you think you're going to be able to answer the question fully, who am I? I'm still asking it. I'm not done. Do you know who you are? And do you think you'll be finished answering that question by the time you graduate college? Maybe you think I'm just an anomaly. Maybe you think everybody else answered it. I, can I tell you that's not the case? But even as you ask these questions, and this is where I want to go tonight, even as you ask the question, and I know y'all are asking the question, who am I? College is dominated by that sort of thought, that sort of thinking. Quite frankly, our whole lives are. But even as you ask that question, God is addressing it. And you may or not believe him. You may or may not believe the, the, the passages from Scripture that I'm going to read to you tonight and the way I'm going to talk to you tonight, you, you may not believe it. That's up to you. I'm just going to tell you what Jesus said about who you are. And I want to ask you to think about what it might mean if this were the answer to who am I. Let's pray together, and we're going to read some Scripture, and we're going to talk about it for a little bit, okay? Pray with me. Father, um, thank you that we get to call you Father. I pray tonight your spirit would be on the move and at work in this room, helping my friends here, helping me know how much you love us because of the way you talk about us. 
I pray you'd let, make everybody here know, help everybody here to know the relationship that you've invited them into. And would you implore them to respond to you? Would you help our unbelief in all this? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, Daniel, would you put up uh, the passage from 1 John chapter 1? Sorry, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Uh, in the, this is in the very middle of John's letter, uh, John. He says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And if you just want to leave that up for a while, that'd be great. Do you see what kind of love God has for us? Do you see what kind of love the Father has given to us? Do you see what kind of love the Father has given to us? That's not, uh, sometimes I think when we talk about love, we go in this direction. This is not some ambiguous feeling. Yeah, I totally see it. I feel something like love. It's not guesswork. It's not something that we have to define or make up our own definition. Do you see what kind of love the Father has given to us? John is speaking of something specific. Here's what kind of love the Father has given to us. He calls us his children. It's specifically, this is the kind of love that God gives us. He calls us his children. Later, John is gonna say, uh, and we might come across this in the next few weeks. Um, I referenced it last week, actually, though, too, uh, is that uh, John will say that Jesus demonstrates his love for us, or God demonstrates his love for us in Christ Jesus giving up his life for us. And that's a way that God shows us his love. But why did Jesus do that? Many of you are, have grown up in traditions, or I'm sure talk about the sacrificial work of Jesus. Why? Why did he do what he did? It's not just to alleviate your guilt. It's not just to get you through a day. It's in order that you might become children of the God Almighty. Do you see what kind of love that the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God? And so we are. Would you, would you put up that quote uh, from, uh, from this 7th and 8th century uh, monk named Bita. Uh, he says this, The grace of our Creator is so great that He has allowed us both to know Him and to love Him, and moreover, to love Him as children love a wonderful Father. It would be no small thing if we were able to love God in the way a servant loves his master or a worker his employer. That would be no small thing. It's ridiculous enough that we get to say we can love God as a master or, or as an employer or something like this, but, but loving God as a father is much greater still. Do you see how much God loves you? As John says, see, look, look at it, behold it. Put it before your mind, before your eyes, before your heart. Lift it up and stare at this just for a minute. John stops the whole flow of his argument if you read the letter. He's writing about this stuff, and in some ways this is the summary of his whole letter in a way. But he's writing and he's writing and he's writing, and then he hits this moment and he just breaks out. 
Like the seams of his letter just bust for a minute and he says, just look at it for a minute. Do you see what I'm saying? If you read it through chapter two, he starts talking about the children of God and then he just has to stop himself. And he's like, do you see what I just did? Do you see that God calls us his children? Who am I? Who are you? Because of Jesus, John says, we get to call God Father. Would you put up that verse again, First uh, John chapter uh, 3, verses 1 and 2? I just want people to be able to read that uh, while we talk. He goes on in the next line, right? He goes on to say that we can't expect the world to know us as God's children, though. Because the world doesn't know Jesus. Friends, what right do any of us have? Some of you might be keenly aware of this. This is a huge thing. What right do any of us have to call God Father? Who among us have been faithful daughters and sons to God? Who among us have carried about God's work faithfully in our midst? Who among us have always been about his interests? Who among us has, have only done what he has said and only done what he has asked us to do and been faithful in our, our obedience and our love and our affection for the God who made us? Who has been faithful to him save Jesus? What right do we have to call ourselves children of God if not for Jesus? He is the one who gives us the right to be called children of God. And so if the world, if, if your friends, if your family, if you don't recognize Jesus for who he is, why would you recognize everybody whose identity depends upon Jesus? If Jesus is the one who gives us the right to be children of God, but, but people don't recognize Jesus for who he is, why would we ever expect to be treated like children of God? Why would we expect to be looked upon like children of God? We who have cast our lives upon Jesus. He says this, he says, whoever would find his life must lose it. Do you remember that Jesus said that? Whoever who would find his life or her life must lose it for my sake. We Christians have cast our lot with him. I want life, Jesus. I want to find life. And he says, then give it to me. Give it to me and watch what I do with it. And I've given all of my life to him. And so now my identity depends upon him. It depends upon him. If the world does not recognize him, why would they recognize us? But the world doesn't. And John knows that that's a struggle that we have. We see this when we look out into the world that, that sometimes we don't feel like children of God or we're not responded to like children of God. It's doubted for sure, maybe within us, if definitely outside of us. But John knows that we deal with this enough that he responds to it. He reaffirms this truth. He says, beloved, we are God's children now. But what we will be has not yet appeared. Why? Why don't we know what will be yet? Why don't we see it fully? Why don't we experience it fully? Because Jesus has not yet appeared in all his glory. That's why. Friends, this verse, I, it's hard for me to convey to you how full of grace this verse is for me. If you don't know Jesus fully, you are right where all Christians are. If you don't know yourself fully, welcome to the family. John affirms these kinds of things in this. We are all waiting, looking to that great day for our Savior to come again. We who are dependent upon who he is, we, we, that's, that we are, we're so dependent upon him that we need him to come so we can see him and reaffirm who we are. In Christianity, y'all, there is a leaning 
forward into hope and mystery that riddles our faith. There's this leaning forward into the great promises of what God will do in the future that riddles our faith. We are an expectant people. We Christians are expectant. We're waiting. We're longing. If you feel these things, longing, waiting, expecting, wanting something to be fulfilled, this, this is like the, the lifeblood and the heartbeat of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, waiting for him longing for him, wanting him to come again. But just because, I gotta say this right now, just because we don't know Jesus fully doesn't mean we don't know him at all. Um, Would you put up that verse from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, this uh, letter to the church in Corinth. He says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Notice um, that even though we don't know fully, Paul says, we, we are still fully known in the middle of that moment. Right now, even though I don't know a lot of things about me and Jesus fully, there's a reality that exists right now. I am still fully known by him. I just haven't seen it yet. The reality of who we are is real now, even if it's not clear to us. And friends, we actually do know something of it. We know in part what Paul says. We aren't just hoping for some enigma. We aren't hoping for something we know nothing about. We wait and long for Jesus to come again because he came in the first place, right? We know enough about who he is what he has done, what he is doing, what he will do, that it makes me want him to come in his fullness. We have seen him in part. We have seen him in history. We've seen him in the words and in the lives of his friends. We have seen him in the work of the church. We have seen him in our own experiences in moments. It's always been in part, though. It's never been fully. And so we want him to come fully. Who are you? Who am I? In Christ, the answer is a child of God. But who you will be, or or rather what that looks like in its fullness, none of us knows yet. And I I gotta tell you about the time when I began to grasp this. Uh, It was actually when my daughter Blythe was born. I don't know why this didn't click with Jack. Uh, (laughs) uh, Some other things did. Uh, But when my daughter Blythe was born, and I got to hold her for the first time, and I looked at her, and she was wild. She's, I mean, here I am holding this seven-pound woman in my arms, and I'm, I'm freaking out. And I'm looking at her, and, and I, I kid you not, like if there was ever a time in my life when the Spirit of God brought Scripture to my mind, it was that moment. It's the closest I've ever come to hearing an audible voice from God, I swear. I looked at her, and I, I, I remember the feeling of it vividly, like vividly. I, I, it's just overwhelmingly so. I'm looking at her, and I heard something inside of me, the Spirit of God or something, say, for all creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Man, I, I can't tell you how overwhelming it was to look at her. I knew her. I got to name her. I knew who she was, but I wanted to know her. There's a mystery in that dynamic, I know, so all I can do is tell you this story to kind of convey it to you. 
I looked at her and I know that she's got decisions to make and God might have plans for her and all this stuff. She's gonna become somebody and there's maybe an infinite number of paths that she could take, but there was this sense, there was this knowing that I wanna know her. And I, I, I actually like had that verse go in my mind for all creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. And I heard that verse and I identified with creation as I looked at her and, and I said out loud to her, it, was, it wasn't the first thing I said to her, but it was, when it was in the first 15 minutes of her life outside of the womb. I held her and I said, I can't wait to know who you are. I can't wait to know who you are. I want to know who you will become and I can't wait to find out. And I think every single one of you in this room can imagine for a minute that that's a, that's a real possible thing to believe and to say and to think. That's a good thing to look at somebody and want to know who they will become. She is somebody and I just want to see it unfolded and unfurled and opened up and, and, and I want to see her in all of her glory and all the dignity that God made her because he made her with care and with intention on purpose and he has an intention for her to be a daughter of his. And I looked at this seven pound little girl that didn't know how to breathe right yet. And I'm like, man, I can't wait to know that in its fullness. All creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. And this is true for each one of us in Christ as well. Paul says in that same passage in Romans chapter eight that there's a bondage that all creation is, is held onto right now because the sons and daughters of God have not yet been revealed and are not yet reigning with Christ. The promise that God has held out for you as children in Jesus is remarkable. And do you know that if we see each other right, if we see each other well, if we see each other in Christ, part of what happens between me and you, if we see each other in Christ, is that I want to know who you are fully. I want to know what it means that you're a child of God, that God chose you, that he made you, that he redeemed you, and that you one day will live under the worship of the Father, co-heir with Christ, reigning over all creation. You can read about the story in Revelation 21. I want to know some of what that looks like now. And so every time I meet you, if I have the, the mind of Christ, if I pay attention to who God says I am, part of what it means is I'm leaning in with curiosity and wonder about who you are in the same way I do with my daughter. And even as she grows up, even as I see more and more pictures, I pray neither of my kids are ever LARPers maybe, but, but even as they grow up and, and, and have different experiences and, and stuff like that, like I don't know if I'm ever, I, actually I do know, I'm never gonna stop going, I wanna see more, I wanna know more. I want to see you in your fullness. I want to see what it means that you're a child of God in Christ. And I, I know that with my daughter, this is true. I know with you, this is true. I know with me, this is true. I'll never be done before Christ comes back. I know I won't be able to know Blythe fully. I won't be able to know Jackson fully. I won't be able to know Audrey fully. When I look at my bride, Anna, I won't be able to know her fully. But I know what God says about her and I know right now she is fully known by God. How, how do I know that? Because Jesus is glorified in the throne room of heaven right now. Sitting at the right hand of the Father I, and he is the one who speaks on her behalf. And he knows her fully. 
And there will come a time when he presents her to the whole world, radiant. Do you know that that's how the church is talked about? That we get presented to the, in front of all creation as a bride. That's how we get presented. White, radiant, prepared, washed clean and glorious. The prophet Daniel talks about those who are resurrected in Christ shining like stars. And theologians can't shake this idea. They actually can't talk about our resurrection bodies without saying there's got to be some kind of light piece to this whole thing. It's weird. The word glory has this, this kind of connotation of brightness of something, which is strange. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that yet. I'm waiting to see you revealed still. But there's a huge gap between where we are now, asking the question, who am I, and being known fully. And I think we can move toward it. I think we can move toward it. And the only way I know that we can move toward it, that we can reassure our hearts as we ask this question, who am I? What makes me, me? Is to know more and more of the one who forged us and who redeems us and who gives us hope. And so here in this place, we're gonna talk about Jesus a lot. I wanna talk about Jesus because I think when we begin to see Jesus and what he says about you, him being the one who made you and who redeemed you, that I begin to know things about you that you might not even know about you. When I come and meet you and you tell me about the wreck of sin that you're in and I go, I already knew that you were capable of all of that because Jesus and what he did on the cross. And I already know how much you're loved because of his actions toward you and the way he, he moves toward you in his creation. He wasn't forced to do what he did. He did this on your behalf because he loves you. How dare I ever sell you short? However, how dare I ever come against you when the God of all creation says, I am for you? If God is for you, who could be against you? The scripture says. And I already know that stuff about you. So I... I can come and, and move toward you and talk about Jesus and begin to know things about you. And as we talk about Jesus, you can begin to know things about me. Why? Because Jesus looks out of himself and serves us and loves us and keeps lifting up his bride before all the world to see. It's pretty wild. So we're gonna talk about Jesus here. We're gonna cast our gaze upon him and fix our eyes upon him, trusting that as we know him more and more, we'll know ourselves more. Who are you? John says in another letter, for all who receive Jesus and believe in his name, he has given the right to become children of God. But of course, you have the choice to be known in some other way. Every single one of us does. Surely you know by now, you're all old enough now to know um, that every single one of us is answering the question, who am I, somehow, by our work, by our grades, by our giftedness, by our romantic status, by the perceived level of respect we have in different communities, by the titles that we have, by our power that we have, maybe by our sins, by our weaknesses, by our bodies, by our attitude. We can try to answer the question of who am I by any number of things. We actually, all of creation can be used by us to try and answer the question of our identity. Who am I? But I want to ask you, friends, what do those things tell you in response to that question? How do they answer the question, who am I, and how does Jesus? Everyone in Jesus Christ is a son or daughter of God, Paul says in Galatians chapter 3. 
having the right to call God Father and receive the benefits of being his child. If you are a Christian, this is who you are in Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, this is what Jesus is offering you. I know that we may not feel like it some days, <laughs> uh, but this is why we fix our eyes upon him, the author and perfecter of our faith. We look forward, we look toward that day of his coming again with hope because we trust that on that day, we will actually be revealed as sons and daughters of God. It has become easier for me to long for this, having children, it really has. Because I look at my daughter and though she doesn't know herself, man, I promise you, she doesn't know herself. She's four years old and she's a mess. But I know her in part. There's things I know about her that she doesn't even know. Do you know that I will never doubt that God loves her even though I might doubt that God loves me? Isn't that weird? And so I need to come to her all the time and remind her, I know that God loves you. Why do I know that God loves you? Because he has bent me for you. And that is something I can't shake. I know that because God has done a work in me toward you. I know he loves you. I know that. And I want to see her in her fullness. And because of that, I look forward to the day of Christ. And I want that for you too. And I want that for me. As you wonder who you are and as you ask so many questions about your identity and your college career and really, quite frankly, in the rest of your life, in Christ, you are God's child now. Now. John's encouragement in this letter that we're studying is that the whole encouragement, the whole letter, is that we would know who we are, children of God, and that we'd act like it. It's kind of a summary of his whole letter. Though what we will be has not yet appeared, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. The work before us is to see Jesus clearer and clearer and clearer in order that we might know more of who we are in him and what it means to be a child of God. Beloved, if you are in Christ, you are a child of God now. Let's pray together. Father, and even as we say Father, even as your Son taught us to pray to our Father in heaven, let us not take for granted the fact that we get to call you Father. Apart from your Son, what right do we have to do such a thing? I, I pray, I guess, that, that your Spirit would stop us sometimes even after we just say Father and that we would be overwhelmed with gratitude for being able to approach you in such a way. I am mindful that many of us have not had good fathers as examples. And I pray that you are able to um, work in that and redeem and overcome and show us that though earthly men may not have been good fathers, that there is a father in heaven that is not tainted or wrecked or broken by their actions that you have yet to show us all of the goodness of what it means to be our Father, that you long to answer um, our prayers, that you long to give us the desires of our heart, that you wanna hear us and give us every good thing. I'm mindful of Jesus saying, little children, it is the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. I pray that every single person in this room would hear your call to be their child and that they would receive your son and believe in his name 
and that you would begin teaching us how together as a community of people, as friends, how we might be able to live like children of the God Almighty. As we sing to you this last song tonight, um, I pray that you'd move in our hearts and that we would, um, we would praise you with our bodies and with our minds and with our hearts as the God who lets us come to him as children. It is more than we could ever ask or imagine, and it's crazy to think that you have more to reveal still. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen, amen, amen.